Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Wow, thanks guys. I had to come here more often. That's cool. So, I'm pretty excited today. I am uh, going to be talking to you about one of the spiritual disciplines. And uh, by the way, Pastor Chris might be here next week. So, yeah. Uh, But I am going to speak to you about the discipline of studying the Word of God. And, uh, you know, the, the... The passage or the name of the message is Students of the Word. How many of you want to be a student of the Word? And and so it's one of the greatest joys of my life. And I'm not just saying that because I'm teaching on it. I actually, uh, Pastor Shane, I'm not actually sure that I've ever taught an entire message on studying the Word of God. You know, I, I, it's not like I just grabbed this out of one of my many messages from years ago. I don't know if I've actually ever done it, but... But as I was preparing for this, it really made me stop and think, you know, it's been one of the greatest joys of my life, actually, since I was a young adult and I gave my life to the Lord, of actually getting into the Word of God and, and studying it. You know, it's just an amazing thing, and I, and I love it. I, I can remember uh, Kathleen and I were up in northern Idaho, about 60 miles from the Canadian border, and we were... At this time, we were just school teachers. I helped start a, a, a Christian school, did that for many years, and then, and then I became the pastor of a church and did that for many years. But this was back before I was an elder or an associate pastor or pastor or whatever. And we were in a hospital in Sandpoint visiting a, a, a friend of ours, uh, a dear sister in the Lord. And I think I'd given her a passage of scripture. And then I was alone for a while. And I I can still remember to this day, and every once in a while this thought comes to me, of how I just, in that quiet place, I just thanked God for how over the last few years at that time in my life, I had grown in the word of God. And, and, And I said to him, Lord, please let me learn your word exponentially more and exponentially more and exponentially more. And, and you know, now here I am a lifetime later, really, and, and I've learned so much more, and, and I still have so much more to learn because the Bible is so big and so good and so beautiful. And so I hope you can, you can uh, take my, my encouragement to you today. In fact, I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you open up every heart here. Let everyone just be honest with themselves before you, O God. And Lord, uh, let us crave your word. Help us to be those that really want more of the word of God in our lives. And just touch them, open them up to this, and, and bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I, as I was praying about this, I found out in the middle of the week that I was going to preach this weekend. And, and as, I, as I prayed and I, and I asked God, you know, he kind of said something to me like, like um, that I, I'm going to say to you, he said, start with this, Stan. The Bible is a compendium of the acts of God throughout the ages. 
Now, that word compendium is like a huge library, okay? So just think about it. When you get into the Word of God, it's like all the acts of God throughout the ages. You know, you want to know what God's been up to? It's right in here. And so just a few scriptures for you. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's wonderful. And then John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. When you get God's word in your life, and then when you are seeking God and you do so according to his will, your desire will be granted. It will be granted. That's powerful. And here's some great quotes. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said this, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. Charles H. Spurgeon said this one. I love this. Visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Come on, that's good. And then James Alexander said, the study of God's word for the purpose of discovering God's will is the secret discipline which has formed the greatest characters. Now, now look, I have a lot of information for you today. Okay, so the interns here are very used to this. I have about two hours of information that I'm going to try to give you in 35 minutes, all right? So just open up your minds and your hearts. And I wish I had videos and all kinds of things, but I have what I have. So from studying the Bible, we can learn a lot. We can learn about the attributes of God. We can learn about his goodness, his graciousness, his love, his mission for our lives, and so much more. There was uh, a friend of mine, a mentor, personal mentor, uh, Pastor David Miner, while I was pastoring uh, for many years, uh, a, a great part of our lives. And he said one time, the reason that he liked studying the Bible was because it taught him how God would think about things. And you know, when you study the Word of God, it teaches you how God thinks about things. And you know, it tells us about the history of God's people. It tells us about the future of God's people. But you know, studying the Word of God, and I'm going to ask you a question here in a moment. Studying the Word of God can change someone's destiny. Just one or two verses can change someone's destiny. And I'm just wondering, you know, you don't have to stand up and give me a testimony, but is there anybody here that would just say that maybe a few verses or a passage or whatever actually touched you at a significant time in your life and kind of changed your trajectory a little bit? Wow, look at all those hands. Wow, that's amazing. So I like to study the history of the early church. I teach on the history of the early church. And uh, this quote I'm going to give you is from Augustine, who was, he was the fourth century, uh, kind of fourth, fifth century. And he was kind of like the, the uh, shining light of the early church fathers at that time, because he kind of built on all of those that had come before him. And so, but when he grew up, he was not a Christian. And so this is from his salvation story, basically. It's called Confessions. And it's basically a dialogue between Augustine and God, and it goes on for a long time, really. But I'm going to read to you kind of the, 
a crystallization of when he gave his life to the Lord. Now, he was very carnal growing up. He was, uh, he was you know, he's like me. He's very carnal, and he basically um, did not grow up a Christian. His mom was a Christian, but he wouldn't listen to her. And, you know, it's a story that goes on a lot in life. And so he had many affairs, and he got caught up in a cult, and he was doing all kinds of terrible things. And then all of a sudden, he started seeking for God. He came to that point in his life. And so I'm reading to you from his confessions. He said, such words I spoke, and with most bitter contrition, I wept within my heart. And lo, I heard from a nearby house a voice like that of a boy or a girl, I know not which, chanting and repeating over and over, take up and read, take up and read. Instantly, with altered countenance, I begin to think most intently whether children made use of any such chant in some kind of game. But I could not recall hearing it anywhere. I checked the flow of my tears and got up, for I, I, I interpreted this solely as a command given to me by God to open the book and read the first chapter I should come upon. Maybe you've done that before. For I had heard how Anthony, now he's referring to the first famous monk here that went out into the Egyptian desert. For I had heard how Anthony had been admonished by a reading from the gospel at which he chanced to present as if the words were addressed to him. So I hurried back to the spot where Olypius was sitting, for I had put there the volume of the apostle when I got up and left him. I snatched it up, opened it, and read in silence the chapter on which my eyes first fell. And this is what he, he read. It's from the Apostle Paul, and it's from the book of Romans. Not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, and this really spoke heavily to him, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Wow. And then it goes on. No further wished I to read, nor was there need to do so, Instantly, in truth, at the end of this sentence, as if before a peaceful light streaming into my heart, all the dark shadows of doubt fled away. So, so he, he gives his life to Jesus, and then all of a sudden Jesus changes the entire trajectory of his life. Now, destiny lies in the Bible. Destiny lies in the words that come into our heart, that penetrate our heart, that get deep down into our heart, that can change our ideas and our understanding and our, even our motives and the intents of our heart. It can change our destiny. Come on, church. It can change our destiny. All we have to do is open the covers. I want to talk to you about spiritual growth from the Word of God. So I'm going to take you through kind of a, 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 a series of, of thoughts. Um, I'm sure Pastor Ken has done this before and others, but, you know, these kind of build upon one another, and, and they kind of talk about, like, like, what we eat and comparing it to the Word of God and things like that. And so bear with me here. The first one is from 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3 from the NIV. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now notice this, grow up in your salvation. You know, sometimes we think of salvation as a one-time event, you know, but I think that Paul says someplace, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, okay? So it's like we grow up in salvation. And, and uh, by the way, we are all newborn's babes at one time or another. 
you know, we all come to Christ. And when we come to Christ, we are newborn babes and, and we do what newborn babes do. <laughs> you know, sometimes, right? Uh, sometimes. Um, and then 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through, I never cried when I was a kid, no. 1 Corinthians, uh, wait, I won't go there. Okay, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4, um, the New King James Version. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. Wow. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Now, what he means here by saying behaving like mere men is the concept of like uh, you're behaving like somebody who has not accepted Christ yet. You're behaving like someone who is not spiritual in Christ yet. And so this idea of carnal, full confession, you know, before I came to Christ in my early 20s, I was very carnal. Okay, I did all the carnal things that you can possibly imagine and more so. And some of you, you know, have heard my weird testimony. And so, you know, uh, great darkness, God saved me out of great darkness into his marvelous light. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. And so, you know, but there was a time there in my early walk, you know, it's kind of like that baby learning to crawl, you know, that I would fall down, that I would stumble sometimes, that I, I was very carnal. And so I would go back and forth and back and forth, and I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands because you know what? That's just kind of the way life is when you first come to Christ. I, I, but I want, to, I want to encourage you with a few things. To you newbies, maybe those of you that haven't even been in Christ very long, I, I, I want to say this. Do not be disheartened. You know what? Everybody falls down. Everybody does. And, and I'm not even going to go into some kind of delineation of what falling down might look like because it can be different from one person to the other. But, but you know what? Everybody falls down. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. And by the way, some of the, even the oldies fall down at times. Um, but, you know, if you fall down, pick yourself up and press forward. Um, greater spiritual strength awaits you. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked fall, shall fall by calamity. So say to yourself, God is for me. And he wants me to stand up and get going. Now we move on to Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled, notice that, in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But now get this, this is powerful. But solid food, please say solid food, belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Guess what? The more you get the word of God down into your life, the depth that you receive, you're going to have greater discernment in your life for those things that are good and those things that are not really good. It's going to be in your life. 
you get it, it's, it's, you can make an equation out of it. That's the way it is. The deeper the word of God, the greater the discernment of good and evil. So this is amazing. The more that we digest the solid food, the word of God, the greater is our discernment. Think about it. So now think about the Garden of Eden. What happened in the Garden of Eden? Man ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God brought the word into the world so that we could eat of the word so that we would understand the difference between good and evil. So that we could discern the difference between good and evil. Come on, that's good. So the more that we get the word of God in us, the greater our discernment is. <clears throat> okay, so there was a guy who lived a long time ago in, in about the fourth century named John Christostom. And he was one of the early church fathers. They called him the golden-mouthed preacher. And he wrote like over a thousand sermons and, you know, people would publish him and all of that. And he wrote a, a book called On Providence. And their books weren't very long, but I had the privilege of reading it one time and I'm going, to, I'm going to quote a part of it, and it's about good and evil. I'm going to quote part of it, and uh, this is, I'm quoting from, uh, let's see, uh, Christopher Hall, uh, oh yeah, in his book, Learning Theology with the Church Fathers. So John Christossom said this, the authentic Christian possesses the ability to make proper distinctions, notice this, between good, bad, and indifferent realities. The genuine uh, good consists of the basic virtues, such as temperance and generosity. Christostom categorizes bad things as any sinful acts or attitudes, like luxury or lust. Indifferent things become good or bad according to how one uses them. For example, wealth can, be, can lead to avarice, which would be bad, or generosity, which would be good. How many of you would like to be rich by a show of hands? Okay. <laughs> Okay, so that you can give it away, all right? While poverty can lead to blasphemy, which is bad, or true philosophy, which is good. Good things, the virtues, can never become bad. Truly bad things, sins, can never become good. All other things, notice this, such as sickness, death, insults, riches, dishonor, Freedom and slavery, wow, become good or bad according to how they are understood and utilized by the person experiencing them. So then he goes on in his book or sermon or whatever it was that I read to talk about uh, Luke 23 and the thief on the cross hanging next to Jesus. And you know, there were the two thieves and, and the one thief starts to blaspheme Jesus and the other thief says to the one thief who's blaspheming Jesus, you shouldn't do that. We deserve what's happening to us. You know, he owns up to his own sin, basically. You shouldn't do that. We deserve what's happening to us, but not this righteous man here. He didn't do anything wrong. And then 
in the most amazing, astonishing act of faith, he rises up above his dying circumstances and he speaks into the storm and he looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, that's amazing. I mean, we need to be able to rise up above our storms. You know, we need to be able to speak into the storm of life the perspective of the word of God that has come into us. Luke 4, 4, but Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And of course, he's saying this to the devil. This is out in the desert. So the Bible is like food that strengthens and gives us life. And I want you to notice that Jesus here is quoting from the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, the Old Testament. Okay, so he obviously studied the Old Testament himself. Um, Now, did Jesus study it? I think he did. Uh, it, It says in many places in the New Testament, Jesus says, have you not read? Have you not read? You know, have you not considered the scriptures here? Now, the Jews, they were kind of amazed that Jesus had all of this teaching because he didn't get trained like in Jerusalem in the, in the temple where they got trained at. So they didn't really think that he had studied, but they were wrong. And as a matter of fact, in Luke 4.16, it says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, notice that, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood to read. And that's where he read from the book of Isaiah that, that pretty much you're looking for me, folks. You know, I'm the, one, I'm the one you're looking for. That's what Jesus pretty much read. Now, when Jesus, oh, let me go to John 4, 34. Jesus told his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Think about that for a minute. He says, my my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Now, when Jesus sends you someplace, when the Holy Spirit tells you to go do a task, whether small or large, realizing that you are like the apostle, because that's what the word apostle means, sent one. So when Jesus sends you, whether it's a small task or whether it's a large task, he's sending you to go and do the will of God the Father, right? And so then you say with him, my food, (laughs) say my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. You know, when I go to Kenya, like Pastor Ken so graciously talked about me, that's nice. When I go to Kenya, it's not to do my will, it's to do God's will. You know, when when you actually go to a family member on behalf of God, you aren't going to do your own will, you're going to do God's will. You know, when you open up the garage door like I did, oh, all those years ago, and I was just trying to have a nice day is Saturday of cleaning out my my garage, and all of a sudden, two Jehovah's Witnesses come walking up, you know, and they just destroyed my day. But, you know, and and I, and and I, and I basically, I basically, you know, I, I, 
I had refuted them. I'd come out of that cult a long time ago. And, and, and basically, you know, I, I just had to get my spirit under control, you know, and I did. So I didn't say anything for like three minutes. And I just let them do all of their talking, you know. And then finally I smiled and I said, you're Jehovah's Witnesses, aren't you? And, and they kind of looked at me, well, how did you know that? And, 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 you know, and I was able to say with a smile on my face, I know you think you're doing God's will by going door to door, but I have to tell you, it's a false gospel that you're preaching. And I said that with a smile, by the way. And you, they were so taken back, you know. And then we got into the scriptures and pretty soon they were running away from me. But, but the reality of it is, you know, the, the, the reality of it is, you know, you need to get the word of God down into your heart and, and, and not be, you know, you don't want to be too, uh, too emotional about it. You just want to get it down in there so that when the day comes and you need to pull it out, you'll have the resources at that moment in time. Sorry, that story was from left field, but okay. So there are different types of study. First Thessalonians 4.11 that you also aspire. So the word aspire, ambitious, and aim, they all can be uh, translated as the word study. That you also aspire or study to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So the commentators here say that in the church of Thessalonica, they kind of had a problem because they were just waiting for Jesus to return, which is a good thing, but they did it so much they weren't doing their responsibilities, okay? We need to be able to wait for Jesus to return and still do our responsibilities, right? And, and, and so that was a part of what was going on, but also they were very opinionated and they were expressing their opinions. Can I say that sometimes we need to study to be quiet? You know, <laughs> we need to study to be quiet. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, less opinionated. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, Therefore, we make it our aim, our study, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. You know, sometimes we just need to get up in the morning and say, Lord, how can I please you today? I mean, just as simple as that. How can I, how can I please you today? Really that simple. And then Romans 15, 20 Paul says this, I have made it my aim, my study, to preach the gospel, not where Christ has been named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. I really love this about the Apostle Paul. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't care if God had told him to go someplace where somebody else had gone. He would have gone there. But he felt like the Lord told him to go where no Christian had gone before. And so that's where he went. And, and you know, you got to appreciate his enthusiasm. And then I love this, this word. It's Haga. H-A-G-A-H. Haga. Please say that with me. Haga. Kind of a strange word. It's a Hebrew word. And the thing that's so cool about it, it's in the Old Testament, it is the word meditate, uh, but sometimes it can also be translated as the word study. And so I, I know Pastor Tracy talked about meditation a while back, did a fantastic job but here is one where it translates both ways. And the Lord gave me some thoughts about it. I believe they're from him. And so I wrote them down, and I want to read them to you. So here we go. As people grow and navigate through life, they have experiences, events, dreams, visions, lost opportunities, tragedies, prophetic words, 
miracles, encounters, or other significant moments in their lives that may cause them to reflect and meditate on the moment. And that is okay, and that can be healthy, necessary, and normal. But meditation on the Word of God supersedes them all because it has power, can I hear an amen for that, to divide and illuminate those very moments of our lives. All of those significant moments in our lives should be sifted through, examined, evaluated, and balanced by the study of the Word of God and the perspective of its wisdom. If you compare your life and journey to the seed of a tree that has been planted and is growing, any one of those moments may be represented by the ring that is within the trunk of a great tree. So many rings, you know. The ring is there, and it helps define you as a person, but it is not the whole story of your life. Hear me, it is not the whole story of your life. Meditating on moments of life is normal and can be good, but study of God's word will bring health to the whole tree as it is growing, continue to grow. Now, the idea of being a disciple of Jesus, the word disciple, actually, it's uh, the Greek word mathesis, and that actually is, is, is where we get the word math from. You know, it means, it means to study. It means to be a pupil or a learner. And that's where the name Matthew comes from, by the way. So, um, a, a dis- and the word disciple is related to the word discipline. So, a disciple is a, a disciplined individual, a trained individual, a study of the master's ways. Okay, now, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about study to be approved. And uh, this is important, the word, the word spadazo, I know it's Greek, whatever, but, but basically it means to speed, uh, to make effort, or to be diligent. And one of the key verses in the New Testament about studying the Word of God is 2 Timothy 2.15, which says, be diligent, please say that with me, be diligent. And in the King James, it's study, to present yourselves approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. Now, when we consider our lifetime and the word of God that is before us, and I want to kind of compare it in a way like researching the word of God to maybe putting together something that we've received in the mail or that you go to the store and buy. You know, often I've, I've gone to the store and I've bought like, you know, some type of thing that I had to put together, like a chair or something like that. Now, now some things you might not read the instructions for, right? I, I, I won't even ask for a show of hands, but I bet there's quite a few of you that just kind of throw the, the instructions away, right? Or you don't, never even look at them. And you can do that when something's really simple, But when it gets more complicated, like there's many nuts and bolts and there's angles and there's all kinds of arms and all of that, you can end up building a bench where you were supposed to build a chair, right? And so you kind of have to study the manual sometimes, all right? But think of it in this way. Would you want a surgeon to do an operation on somebody that you loved that hadn't practiced, hadn't studied, didn't know what he or she was really talking about, 
You know, you would want somebody that had gotten in to understanding it and had some experience. Well, folks, that's the way it is with the word of God. You know, now, now look, you, you don't have to, you don't have to be an expert. In fact, when you begin, you won't be an expert. Um, it's like that old saying, you know, a, a thousand mile journey starts with the first step. And it's, and, and so I say to you, start small. When studying the word of God, start small. Pick out one verse, two verses, it's okay. You know, if you want to do a whole passage or even a whole chapter, that's fine too. But don't overdo it and don't set yourself up for failure, okay? Don't set yourself up. Don't get so gung-ho that you go, oh, I'm just going to jump into this. And, and then all of a sudden, a week later, you're like, oh, I can't handle this. No. Start with a manageable amount, okay? Maybe, maybe even one or two verses. That's okay. By the way, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you know, God knows your busy schedules, your, your heart, your trying, and everything else. He understands that. But he also wants to help you move forward and grow in the things of God. And, and, and so basically, you know, start small, whatever that looks like for you. And then, you know, slowly gather resources. Now, I think we have some uh, photos up here, I hope. Yeah, so gather resources like... Uh, I spelled that wrong, matter. That's my fault right there. It's supposed to say master, okay? So I'm definitely not a master because I spell that. But anyway, so master study Bible, you know? Get, get, get a, you can get Bibles that actually have like all kinds of other information in them that, that you can learn about. Okay, next slide. Uh, you can get concordances, like, like a Strong's concordance. That's very awesome. It will tell you the Greek and the Hebrew. Uh, you can look up the word, you know, whatever word you want to look up, uh, like love. And it will tell you how it's translated and all of that in every place that it is in the Bible. Okay, the next one, please. Um, you can gather resources like commentaries, like Adam Clark's commentary. And there's other books that you can get as well. They're, they're all very good. And then also there's online resources, online resources uh, that you can gather. You can get free Bibles, daily study guides that are free. They even have free concordances, dictionaries, and all of that online. You, don't, you can just pick up your phone. You can just open it up to Google and search. But here's the thing. When you are checking out these resources from all of these different websites and everything else, you need to be very careful because there are voices out there and people that try to sway and, and, and they introduce things that are not necessarily completely accurate. And so you need to be like the Bereans that it says in Acts uh, 17, 11, were fair-minded in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so or not, okay? So you need to be careful, but, but it's good to begin. You know, that's, that's number three, simply, simply begin. Okay, so now I have the distinct pleasure of introducing somebody who has been a studier of the Word of God, oh, for longer than I have, and who is my best friend in life, my beautiful wife, Kathleen. So I'm going to have her come. She's a living illustration of somebody who studies. <laughs> Everything you said is amazing. It's true. 
Um, I was just thinking that we have to be aware of the season that we're in. And I know this, all these decades that I've lived, I've probably experienced every season. I have the privilege now to be able to wake up very early, but that means I go to bed very early. <laughs> and <laughs> if you have kids or you are working three jobs, you're never going to bed. And you probably don't even feel like, you know, you have the time to, to do this. And furthermore, in school, we probably hated that word study. And for me, because I love to study, it become, it's easy. But I think sometimes we can feel very overwhelmed. And um, where do we start? And so for me, it's circling key words. <laughs> but, you know, it's maybe just one scripture like Stan was talking about. And the light is the light is the light. If it's one scripture, that's light. <laughs> and so don't feel condemned. There used to be, I don't know, back in the 80s, there was all this weird stuff going around about, you know, how many, how long do you, how many chapters do you study? And how many hours do you pray? And then we would begin to feel condemned. But it's not about that. I think we need a new mindset. And we need to look at it completely different than we have in the past. Um, and that we realize this is not about making me some kind of a qualified good Christian. It's about me realizing that within the word of God is the ability to find him and to see his character and to grow in myself and to change and to let the Holy Spirit speak to me and, and, and take out those things that don't belong. But it's beyond that. It's a matter of learning God's character and discovering who he is and beyond or along with that, realizing that since the garden, the word of God has been twisted just a tiny bit, just a little bit in such a subtle way that it's hard to discern. And that pretty soon we're hearing it and we're going, hmm, is that right? Well, if we know the word, we're going to know, no, it's not quite right. This is what the word of God says. This is what it says. You may think it's saying this and people may be saying it's saying this, but no, we go back to the word, the foundation of the word. And also we take the word and we get it into us so that we can be a dispenser of faith and hope and encouragement to others. So it's not about me just, you know, oh, I've got to study because they told me I had to. And we have to start somewhere. So start with that one scripture. I can't even tell you how many times in my life I could only do one scripture. And sometimes that scripture was for, for I don't even know how long, just stood on one scripture. And then I would circle the keywords and I would quote it in whatever it takes. I just finished um, 31 days in Proverbs. So right now, Proverbs is everything to me. And I'm like, wisdom is everything. Solomon was right. We just need wisdom. If we have wisdom, we can do anything. We can deal with any problem. And the big thing that I realized uh, was what I'm getting out of it. I don't have the ability to absorb everything at once. I wish. I wish I did. I want one of those memories that some people have where you can remember everything. But I have to write down my takeaway. So I literally, in my book, I write takeaway. I take notes. I like to write. So I may just write a little one sentence or two sentence summary 
or I may just choose one of the scriptures that I read that day. I try to do a passage a day. And then um, I just, I try to group things together. I do all kinds of things. I draw arrows. I do equal signs. I make formulas. Whatever can come to my mind at the moment. If I don't have time to look something up, I put a star by it and I do it later. But the bottom line is, it's... It's that lamp to my feet for that day. I don't know the whole path at all, but I've got this little flashlight on my feet, and that's the step I'm taking today. And so I get in my car, and I'm going off to work, and it's pitch black, and I'm just like, okay, Lord, and I'm praying. And one of the things is that little summary, that little takeaway, I'm praying about that. And then I can remember in the day, okay, and I know how it goes. You've got kids everywhere and jobs everywhere and you're overwhelmed, but you get that one word that is life, that is rhema to you, that it is the logos that's turned into rhema. It is speaking to you. And you know what? If you've been away from the word, you know that when you get back into it, it's true. It's living because all of a sudden you feel it going deep down inside of you and doing things that you could have never imagined, cutting through, piercing through all that stuff. And that's what the Word of God does. So I just want to encourage you. I, we encourage ourselves to be people of the Word and watch and see what happens and find your takeaway. Amen. Amen. Yeah, about three weeks ago, she kind of opened up her notebook and she just started telling me some of her takeaways from the book of Proverbs. And I was just sitting there going, wow, that's really good. Okay, Keith, could you bring up the, uh, I have a couple books to give away here. Uh, these are, um, called what the Bible's all about by Henrietta C. Mears, one of the greatest writers, I think of the last, uh, generation. And this is like a a commentary on the entire Bible. And so we want to give two of these away to uh, anybody here uh, that basically doesn't have any resources and, and would like to start to study the Bible. Would somebody raise their hand and say, yeah, that's me? Really? Nobody? Oh, over here. Okay. So, so there's one there. And then, and then we saw, uh, boy, I can't, I can't do both. I saw your hand right there. So he gets it right there. So, perfect. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, right up here. Up there, yeah. Thank you. All right. Um, so, I'm going to skip that quote. I want to talk to you about the power of rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you get the word of God down into your life, it is powerful. It will make a difference in your life. It is powerful. It will give you new perspective it will give you freedom. It will give you knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And it will give you truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture, please say that with me, all Scripture. All Scripture 
is uh, given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Remember, this isn't just about studying the Word of God. This is about equipping yourself so that you are ready for every good work that, that is, is coming. And so every, every good work. Now, this is a powerful quote. Out of 100 men, one will read the Bible. The other 99 will read the Christian. Out of 100 men, one will read the Bible. The other 99 will read the Christian. In other words, you are a living epistle of everything that God has deposited in your life, in the Word of God. And as you go through your life, as you walk around, your light will shine forth and people will see the power of the Word of God inside of you. Okay, maybe I'm being ushered out of here. I'm not sure. (laughs) Wrap it up. You know, the the old canes that just kind of would come and take them away. It's like, we get it, we get it. You want us to read the Bible, okay. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so, oh, and I love this quote. Pastor Ken, you'll love this. Complaining about a silent God with a closed Bible is like complaining about no text messages with a, a turned off phone. <laughs> okay, I want to close up here with the idea of becoming a student of the Word of God. You know, be a student of the Word of God. Now, Peter was a student of the Word. If, you might have missed this in, in if you haven't really you know, gone detail by detail in reading through um, Scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, Isaiah says, when reading through Peter. Second Peter 3, 15 and 16 says, And consider the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, notice that, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destructions as they do also the rest of the scriptures. That's what Kathleen was talking about. Well, well, guess what? Peter studied Paul. When Paul wrote his epistles, Peter studied Paul, and he even called Paul's letters like they were the level of scripture as they do the rest of the scripture. So here we have Peter, who was an unlearned fisherman. Okay, don't let that fact uh, go over you. He was an unlearned fisherman. Look, the Bible is for everybody. You know, Peter didn't let the fact that he was unlearned stop him. Maybe, maybe you are here today and you feel like, wow, I, I can't read very well. Maybe you have, you know, some kind of reading impairment or whatever. There are ways to get into the Word of God. There are audio Bibles. There are all kinds of ways to do things today. And so, you know, whatever it is, don't let it stop you. There was a fourth century early church theologian named Didymus the Blind. And he basically became so powerful and knowledgeable that he became the head of the school of Alexandria in Egypt, of theologians teaching them. 
So don't let anything slow you down. And then Paul was also a student of the word. It says in 2 Timothy 4.13, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come and the books, especially the parchments. Now, Paul was an educated man. And all you have to do is read his stuff to realize how educated he was. Of course, he studied the Old Testament and probably these parchments, these books were the Old Testament. But you know what? They might have even been some of the New Testament. You know how I know that? Because this is, this is the second letter to Timothy and this was written in the spring of 67 AD. Well, before that, uh, Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, John Mark, wrote it in the mid-50s someplace, and it mentions Mark just two verses before this. Bring Mark, by the way. And then all of a sudden it says, bring the books and bring the parchment. So I'm thinking that not only was the Gospel of Mark there, but probably the Gospel of Luke as well, and the Acts of the Apostles, because Luke wrote both of those, and he was the author, and he was there with Paul. So Paul studied all of that. So we study the Word of God, and we, uh, we, we receive it into our hearts, and we grow in our understanding. One more quote, and then I'll close. The Bible is the only book where the author is in love with the reader. You know, I... I wasn't kidding when I said one of the greatest joys in my life has been to study the Word of God. And I think for probably many of you, uh, you would go right along with that. That's probably one of your greatest joys. But it is my hope here today that I can elevate um, the level in your life that you would like to experience the impact of the Word of God upon your life. That would be my hope and my, my heart. Um, and I believe that would be God's heart as well. But you know, the Lord doesn't push. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't condemn. He doesn't push. And he, he just, he just kind of says, this is the best way forward. You know, this is the best path for all of us. And so he loves us that much. And he just kind of gives us opportunity. And um, so that's kind of the generous God he is. And but I, I, want to, um, I want to pray uh, for you, and then I'm going to ask a question. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, as we come before you here today, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to become students of the Word of God, uh, that you would elevate our desire, that you would help us to move into a new realm, whatever the blockages are there, if there's any, if there's anything that is keeping us back, if there's anything that is tempting us away. Father, I pray that you would eradicate all of that and take that away and, and help us to have freedom in you. And I pray that you would purify our hearts right now and purify our lives and our minds. And I thank you, Jesus. Now, I would just like to ask right now, uh, and I, I, I hope people all over the place respond to this, but I, I really want honest hearts. And maybe you already study the Word of God, but you would, would say, yes, I want to elevate it to another level. Now, I'm not saying what that is. Um, whatever it is that the Lord lays upon your heart, or maybe 
you have never studied the Bible or just a little bit, and, and you're willing to get into it, you know, just a few times a week, a few scriptures here or there, whatever it is that God would lay upon your heart, if that's you, and, and, and if you would be so kind, would you please stand up? Because I want to pray for you. If you're willing, if you desire to have your, you know, your study habits, so to speak, elevated to, to another level. Wow, praise God. Praise God. I, there's too many people standing to have everybody come to the front. But if some of you want to come to the front, that's just fine. If you want to make this a commitment at that level, um, then, then I'm going to open up the altar here and you can just come on up here. Yeah, just come on up to the front. Just come on up here. And, and you know, you're just making that commitment to the Lord that you just, Lord, I'm going to do this. And, and once again, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, books and books or whatever. Maybe it's just, you know, getting involved at a, at a different level, whatever you are. But now I just like all of you just to lift your hands up to the Lord. And I kind of want to, if, if I can, I want to impart to you and I kind of want to commission you um, in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I just come before you right now and I just, I just uh, stand here before you and I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus that you will just fall upon each one of these, your children. That the Holy Spirit, that you will just fall upon them. You love them. These are your children. They are dedicated to you. They love you. They want to do your will in this life. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will just come to them in dreams and in visions and in power encounters and in all kinds of ways, Father God. But you will give them a desire to rise up and to become students of the Word of God, that they will get the Word of God down into their hearts in a greater way, exponentially greater and greater and greater, and that you will consume them with a desire to know the Word of God in a greater way. And Father, that you will use them in amazing, miraculous ways, and that the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit will be released in their lives as they move forward and they study the Word of God Thank you, Father, for them. Thank you for their commitment. Thank you for their dedication. Thank you for each one of them, Father God, who loves you so much. And they know that you love them. Father, we just, uh, now, now just open up your mouths and just start praising God. Just start praising him, thanking him for what he's giving you, thanking him for what he's giving you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.